Hello and welcome to Everyone Everywhere, the evangelism podcast brought to you by Church Army. Today we've got Mike Collier in the studio talking about his life as an evangelist and what advice he would give to his 20-year-old self. Hi, Hannah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I was wondering whether it was too late to say Happy New Year. No, I think, I mean, until it's like mid-February, you can, this time. Yeah. Because it's 2020, did you know that that means it's the year of perfect vision, Chris? I see what you did there, Hannah. It's really cringe, isn't it? That's awesome. <laughs> Do you have 2020 vision? I mean, I don't have glasses, but I don't know if I have 2020 vision. Good enough. Yeah, let's go with it. I could be a pilot, right? Yes. <laughs> I always wanted glasses. No. I still do. I mean, some tortoiseshell ones would be quite cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talking of New Year, did you have any resolutions? I don't have a resolution as such. I have kind of a pondering for the year. So what I've been thinking about is how can I make life more like a holiday be a bit more free with my time and and have the mindset of a holiday, even when I'm not on holiday. I would love more holiday as well. Yeah, <laughs> me too. What about you, Chris? Have you got a resolution? Yeah, I do. But it's actually to read more books. Mm, that's a good one. Mm, but I also have to work out where I can make space to do that. So the harder part of that is actually to give some things up. So I decided to get off social media and turn off things like Netflix and that sort of thing. I think that's actually a big thing for our generation, Mm. how we can craft out time and not be too busy, not cram everything in, but make space Mm. and make space for God too, because it's so easy just to be totally connected 100% of the time to the world, but forget that we need that silent solitude habits in order to connect with God. Anyway, we're getting distracted from the focus of this, the real deal, what's to come, the excitement. <laughs> Why are we here, Hannah? We're here because we have got Mike Collier in the studio. We're going to be asking him all about his life and um, he's going to look back on his 20s to give us some top tips, some advice from his experience as he's retired now, but he's still very active in all the stuff he does. He is definitely still an evangelist. And then hopefully we can think about how we can share Jesus better now. Hannah, as we're going to be talking to Mike, looking back at his 20-year-old self, as you're in your 20s... I am indeed. (laughs) (laughs) What advice do you think your 60-year-old self would give to you now? I think probably to slow down and... I'm... My character is very much like, I like goals. I like achieving, Mm -hmm. ticking things off lists, but which things matter. Mm. And I think often that would be actually it's people that matter. What about you? Yeah, I think, I think the six year old me would look back at me now and say, a beard is a timeless look and you should keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure my 60 year old self would say that to me. No, probably not. Hello, Mike. Hello, Hannah. It's lovely to have you with us. Thank you for joining. Great pleasure to be here. Um, I'd love us to kick everything off with you talking a bit about your highlights. 
because I think you have been a church army evangelist for 44 years. Is that right? I'm in my 44th in year. In your 44th. Yes, yeah. Amazing. So what are the highlights over 44 years of evangelism? Thinking back, the highlights, I think, without doubt, the highlight of my career, if Church Army is a no, vocation, really, mm-hmm. has been as an area coordinator. Okay. My role was developing Church Army posts in those six dioceses and looking after Church Army evangelists. And it was a great privilege to set up posts for Church Army evangelists. But also, um, we were responsible for caring for the retired officers in our area. I suppose the significant thing is it combined some of my experiences previously because I had in my patch youth and community centres, two youth and community centres, a couple of prisons and a couple of residential care homes which I had oversight of. So it's, it's amazing how the Lord kind of brings these experiences together into, uh, you know, mm. that kind of job. It's the sort of thing that you only realise in hindsight, isn't it? That yeah. you, you're sometimes doing something and you don't expect yeah. that to have implications later on, which yeah, is always you, cool. You look back and you reflect back and you see how, how all the links come together in quite a wonderful way. That's fantastic. And now you're retired? I am Active retired, I yes. think, is the church army. Yeah, yeah, that's um, quite a common thing that our church army evangelists, when they say they're retired, yeah. it doesn't mean um, no. putting up their boots. I think it's a misnomer, really, retirement for church army evangelists. But when I retired at 65, it seemed as though the end had come. And so I decided to take a gap year. And I spent that whole year for the first time in my life, wake up every morning and say, Lord, what do I do? How is this day going to open up? I'm totally in your hands. That's incredible because it's so easy to get distracted by things you must do and goals, but to give yourself that space. Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. because church army officers, evangelists tend to be active, wanting to get on and do things. And it was quite a discipline to do that. But interestingly enough, three months down the road, I had a heart attack and ended up in hospital having a triple heart bypass. Mm-hmm. And that gets the mind working, yeah, challenging. And it was a kind of death and resurrection experience. I remember being on the trolley, we being wheeled into the theatre And loads of people were praying for me. And I had such a sense of overwhelming peace and serenity. And as I I was being wheeled into the theatre, the surgeon said, hey, you're looking very relaxed. I said, actually, I am. I said, lots of people are praying for me, but I'm praying for you. (laughs) And he laughed. So I generally didn't know whether I was going to survive the operation. So when I came to, everything was so beautiful and wonderful and to be alive still. Mm, New eyes And it was a kind of resurrection Mm. experience in so many ways. And then I got to thinking, what did I enjoy most during my ministry? And how could I apply that now in retirement? Mm. And lo and behold... I, I got the role of cathedral chaplain. And after, 
because chaplain to visitors, that is, because mm-hmm. people come in, all kinds of people come in off the streets. What a wonderful opportunity to yeah. engage with them and talk about faith and stuff. So obviously we're in the new year. Yep. It's 2020, so we're also in a new decade. Yes. And whenever this time of year comes around, everyone starts reflecting on kind of what's happened before, what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Kind of a bit like you've been doing there with thinking about how God kind of puts things together. And so I wanted to take you back just a couple of years to your 20s. Um, And I would love to hear what you were like as a 20-year-old to start with. As a 20-year-old, I was coming to the end of my apprenticeship as an engineer and I worked with the Minister of Defence. So I was looking forward to being properly employed as an engineer. Um, I married at 21 to my wife, Janet. And of course, there are, uh, you think about family life and, and we spoke about the children we would have and all that kind of thing. Um, I was quite ambitious as 20 year olds. You, you're, you're sort of looking to the future and you're having visions of earning lots of money and living in a big house and all that kind of thing. So we were beginning to set up the nest kind of thing. Uh, and I think too, I was a bit arrogant. Oh, okay. I must admit, I was a bit arrogant. I got promotion and I was in charge of a little research development uh, section within the Ministry of Defence. And I often talking about the Christian faith with chaps on the workshop floor and they got, they were interested in me. And some of the time I should have been working while sitting in my office talking to people about the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the chaps who said to me, I don't know why you work for the Minister of Defence working on fighting vehicles and engineering equipment. Haven't you thought of doing this full time? That was the point at which I started to think about full-time Christian Mm, ministry. Like a light bulb went on or something. But in the meantime, there was another uh, disappointment in that we discovered we couldn't have our own children. Okay, yeah. And and that was quite a shock. We didn't immediately, but later on the shock of it caught up with us. Mm, mm, And it was quite a painful period to go through. So we went through adoption through the Church of England, through the Church of England Children's Society, as it was called then. And we adopted two lovely children, both very young, uh, three, six weeks old and three months old. Mm. And they are now, uh, our daughter Sarah is 49 and our son is 47. So amidst all those challenges, eventually came to Church Army to start training. It's interesting you talk about how you th- you thought your life would go one way and then with the difficulty of understanding that you couldn't have your own children. Yeah. I think that's something that people often face. They have this vision for life yes. and then find out that actually that's not how it's going to work out. Yeah. Can you give some advice about how you dealt with that situation? Yeah, I think over the years... I suppose I've, I've, I've been wanting to be in control. This is what I want to do, God. And will you join me in doing it? That's my, be my kind of philosophy unconsciously. And I suppose it wasn't until I retired and I had all this time on my hands and no agenda, nothing to get up for, that I started to reverse 
the trend and said, it took all of those years to learn this lesson. Lord, here I am. I want to join in with you and what you want me to do. Mm. And that was quite a fundamental change during that time of, you know, gap year. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, I imagine that's quite a common thing for people yes. to feel that they want their way and then God can follow yes. rather than the other way around, yeah, yeah, actually. Because yeah. 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 I think as young people, you're kind of visionary and ambitious and you know you've got a clear idea of you know, what you want to do without really asking the deep question, what, what do you want me to do, Lord? Mm. Is there any other advice you'd give to your 20 or 30-year-old self looking back? Yes. I think to listen, to be non-judgmental. I think you build up an image in your own mind, uh, an image of what a Christian should be and like. And when people don't kind of measure up to your image, you're likely to be judgmental or you're likely to try and change their ways. So I think the, the advice I would give is to accept people as they are and to work with them to walk alongside them, to try and understand them, to try and put yourself in their feet, and so on. And you've been a Christian for quite a long time as well. Yeah. And so there must be a thing or two you've learned about walking alongside God, alongside Jesus. Or what are the biggest things that have helped you develop your faith over the years? Gosh. I think the difficult, without doubt, the very difficult periods have been a great mm. learning where God kind of knocks the corners off you and turns you into a rounded figure instead of a cube. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Um, there have been challenges. And when the challenges have come, I think that I've always been right. And... Um, in all of the jobs I've been in, there have been certain challenges falling out. I fell out with my first vicar in the first week of my job. Oh, wow, that's quite quick. <laughs> in my first job um, because of a, a mismatch of expectations. And, and instead of saying to myself, okay, there's something to learn here, I was adamant that I knew what I wanted to do and I'm jolly well going to do it. And if you don't agree, that's just tough. Mm. There was, I lacked humility, I think. So I think over the years, hopefully I've grown to be a more humble person. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And can I ask about prayer and Bible reading? What yeah. aspect has that held in your life? Absolutely. That has been fundamental from the day of my conversion at the age of 17. And it was like a Damascus Road experience for me. I can take you to the year and the, the time when the kind of penny dropped. And almost instantly, there was a transformation of me wanting to turn around, face the other way and commit my life to Christ. Mm. And my whole attitude to life changed. And from that day on, I think daily prayer, um, reading the Bible and so on has been fundamental to mm. Christian ministry. And so all through these years, I've spent time, most mornings, 
It's not everybody's pattern, but it's the way that suits me. So most mornings, I spend at least half an hour in Bible reading and prayer, and that sets me up for the day. Mm. Um, and my single prayer at the beginning of the day is, Lord, this is your day. Help me to follow in your footsteps. Mm. And giving and it over to him. Just a simple prayer. If I say nothing else, just commit the day to him mm. and say, it's in your hands. I might forget you, Lord, but I know you won't forget me. Yeah. Yeah. Can I go back to, yeah. um, you mentioned about how you were very ambitious as a young person. Yes. And then you changed your career trajectory when you became a church army evangelist. Yes. I imagine that involved giving up a lot of things, yep. if, especially as you say, if you're ambitious. Yes. How did you come to become it, a church army evangelist? The family and wider family couldn't understand. Um, they wanted me to do well and, um, and so on. And I decided that ambition, career, and all of that, even my studies came to an abrupt end in a sense. I wanted just to, to follow, and I, I had a very strong sense of a calling. Um, when I was converted at 17, the very first thing to, I wanted to do is go into full-time Christian ministry. But, um, and I, um, and initially I thought I wanted to be a missionary. So actually I went to a, to a church um, mission society um, and because um, their headquarters in Chislehurst in Kent at that mm. time. So I want to be a missionary, all keen and enthusiastic. I've become a Christian. I want to be a missionary. <laughs> and disappointingly, they said, well, go and, finish, go and finish your studies as an engineer. Then come back to us. Complete your studies. So that was good advice. So for the next three or four years, up to the age of 21, I completed my engineering studies and then started to think in terms of ministry. And and I came actually came into church army at the age of 27. Mm -hmm. But it but my calling was so strong, we we had to sell the house. Uh, the children were preschool at that point. And we and we had to live on uh, benefits, and I, I, I was earning quite a good salary at the time. And my wife had to leave work as well. She was a PA to a consultant in St Thomas's Hospital. She had to leave her work, and so it's a real, real kind of sacrificial mm. giving in those days because it was a residential course. Yeah, and. But the Lord blessed us. I can remember on one occasion our daughter needed some shoes. She was growing out of her shoes. And I had £10 left in my wallet. And Janet, my wife, was not too pleased. She thought we'd made the wrong decision, that kind of thing. And I was walking home from college one afternoon with this £10 in my wallet. But strangely enough, the, the evening before, I was sitting up in bed reading my Bible. And it was a, a verse from Hebrews saying, have I, not, have I not the Lord said, I will provide, be anxious for nothing, etc., etc.? And I nudged Janet 
elbowed her and said, look at this. And she was so cross. She didn't want all these religious sort of things. She says, we, you know, she, she got to the point where her faith was a bit rocky. And anyway, I took it. I, I, I really thought this is a message from God. So on the way back home, down the hill, on the corner shop, I bought her a box of chocolates with the only £10 left. And I took these, it was a nice sunny afternoon, during the summer, and uh, gave her these chocolates and a, hi, she wasn't at all pleased. Why are you wasting our money? Buy me chocolates, you know, kind of. She wasn't happy, <laughs> yeah. not a happy person, because I'd squander this money. <laughs> but I still, and I sat in the back garden and Janet asked me if I wanted a cup of tea and she said, you can pick your post up. And I picked my post up, und undid this letter, and it's a letter from a Christian friend of mine and he said, Mike, I thought you might need this. And inside was a check for £100 plus. Wow. And that was incredible. a lot of money back in the 1970s. And the Lord honoured his promise. And ever since then, we've not gone without. We've always had holidays. The Lord has provided all the way through. Mm -hmm. So we're going to draw this to a close. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us and your reflections on, on your life. It's yeah. been amazing to have you share that with us. I think one of the great things about Mike's story is that in a world that moves so fast and the focus is so much on instant results and instant change, how as much as that's what Mike wanted as well, how the changes and the transformation was also gradual and slow over time as he learned to listen to God. And as he said, how God sort of rounded those edges. Mike also had a very promising future in his industry. He was making money and that was something that he decided to put aside so that he could be evangelistic full-time. And I think for younger listeners who are in their 20s or early 30s, overwhelmed by the idea that you have to make money. I think for some people, it'll be right for them to go and earn money and be evangelistic in that sphere. But I think for those who don't feel that nudge, it's also great to hear that it's okay not to do that as well. And perhaps to pursue something very different that God has for them. Mm. And like Mike says, he was never in want of anything because mm. he was following where God wanted him to be. And that made me just think of, you know, the verse in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 6, 33, where it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness mm. and all these things will be given to you as well. Mm. And I think it's easy to think you've got to go after the money or the career or the relationship or whatever it is, the worldly thing first. And then once you've got that sorted, you can do stuff for God. Once you're in a good place, then you can share who he is and his goodness. But that's just simply not true. Um, God says, go after him first, and mm. then everything else will follow after that. And I want to challenge ourselves. I want to challenge you guys listening. Vision for 2020. Have you got a New Year's resolution or something you want to see happen this year? If you do, 
great. If you don't, what about thinking about how you could follow God this year? Like Mike was saying, Lord, here I am. I want to join in with you. What does God have for you this year? Are you going to take that jump and follow him no matter what the sacrifices you have to make? And what advice would you give to your younger self? And what resolutions do you have for 2020? If you have any, we would love to hear them. Please drop us an email at hello at churcharmy.org or you can connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thanks, guys. See you soon. See you next time.